Welcome to the CultureWise Podcast, where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saints with wisdom and grace. Here we aim to discuss topics related to how followers of Jesus can more effectively reach Latter-day Saints in their relational networks. My name is Ross Anderson. Daniel Schugert, our regular host, is traveling. I'm joined today by Allison Biggers. Allison is a religious studies sociologist. She's never been a Latter-day Saint, but she has an extraordinary heart for encouraging and loving the Latter-day Saint community, especially women. And so I wanted Allison to come on today and share some of her tactics as she is effectively reaching and networking with Latter-day Saint people. So, Allison, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, Ross, thank you for having me on. It's been, I think, seven years since you gave me the invitation opportunity when I lived in Nashville to come yeah. out, and it meant a lot. So when you invited me, I I jumped at the chance to come on the podcast. You and your ministry will always hold a massive place in my heart. So yeah, thanks yeah, for thank the invitation. Thank you. Thank you. So let's start with... You know, I mentioned in the in the uh, opening that your heart is for loving, encouraging, building relationships with Latter Day Saint, especially women. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get started building relationships with LDS people? Because you didn't live in Utah or grow right. up in Utah, so so help help us understand how did that you know come across your your horizon? Okay, let's go way back to elementary school. <laughs> it won't take long, <laughs> but I was friends with. Uh, I think around age eight, I was friends with a young girl who was Mormon and her parents converted from being Southern Baptist to Mormon. And I was Protestant and it was something that was new to me. And I remember asking my parents about it and they were, you know, they were Presbyterian and actually we were. Presbyterian USA, which is not the same thing as it was today, it was much more conservative then. But having said that, uh, they were really open-minded in that, oh, no, you know, yeah, this is very different. It's very interesting that our parents converted from being Southern Baptist to Latter-day Saint. And I met her, and she's still a dear friend of mine, as is her family, And that's where the seed was planted. That's where it was planted. Mm -hmm. There was some contention among the family, extended family, as to their converting. I picked up on that at an early age. Yeah, for sure. Okay, that's that's really interesting. So, what other are there other key relationships along the way that kind of came after that that helped to solidify this um, in your mind and heart? No. (laughs) Okay. Not until. mm -hmm. Not until. College. Okay. So I studied it off and on. All right. But no other... I mean, I would encounter Mormons as a teenager. Yeah, yeah. And some in college, but it was the early college when I went from casual studying to hardcore study. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So where where were you living? Where did you go to school? This is all taking place outside of, <laughs> right, right. of, of Zion, so to speak, right? <laughs> yes, yes. So I grew up in Memphis. And I went to school in Middle Tennessee. And so, yeah, Nashville. And essentially, that's where I've lived for 24 years until we moved out here. But 
what was your question? <laughs> yeah, just just curious about like like where these relationships all came from because you're not living in a neighborhood that's filled with Latter Day Saints. Right. I just wanted to kind of yeah. uh, see if there's any more. Uh, insight that our the listeners could have about that. Yeah, okay, so that's a great question. Sorry I got sidetracked there. Um, so again, I was studying it off and on, had minor interactions with Mormons when I was younger, but in the back of my mind, uh, I actually remember when I was 18, uh, some people in the class I was in with my dear friend who was LDS that I grew up with, they were really giving her a hard time about polygamy. Mm. And and it was specifically polygamy. And I remember speaking up and saying, you have no idea what you're talking about. Leave her alone. Mm-hmm. And they left her alone. And it was about the polygamy. Interesting. And yeah. fast forward a few years later in Tennessee, when I'm in college, I'm watching television and I see that there is a community it was on cnn so again way back different different uh technology available Mm -hmm. then and they showed a group in southern utah and it was a funeral procession for a prophet that had passed away it was a group of people in prairie dresses and they were polygamist Again, the polygamy theme. Okay, yeah. keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah, okay. And I just thought, I've got to do some deep diving into why that is still being practiced. And that led me down a massive rabbit hole of the fundamentalism, hmm. the very beginning, the origins of what the prophet Joseph Smith taught, as well as many leaders to follow. So, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we might touch on that in a few minutes. But at first I'm curious about cuz you're intentional about building relationships with LDS people. Right. So, why? What's your goal? Well, I mean, what's the point that you're that you're aiming for? Um I mean, is there a point or is it just about relationships? Help us understand <laughs> like when you start a relationship with somebody, what's your your vision for that? Yeah, that's a good question. I got started really old school. There was no Reddit. There was no, mm-hmm. no, yeah, no Reddit. There was no ex-Mormon Reddit. So I was really, again, in Tennessee. Um, I was married by then. And I just studied the heck out of message boards mm-hmm. and, and learning the yeah. culture most of the people, and, and it was an RFM message board, but not the RFM we know. It was Recovery for Mormonism. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I studied what people posted on there, um, as well as, I'm sure no one knows this website, but the women might. And it's called babycenter.com. And I don't even know how I found out about it, but there is an LDS community on that website And I really started to learn the culture because most of these women posting were in the Morador, if you will. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) And I started to learn the culture of women and what they face. Um, They could be free. It was a pseudonym, right? They were using different names. So it was just, it was, that's where it kind of went. So, yeah, I'm actually glad uh, ex-Mormon Reddit wasn't around. So I was able to kind of get yeah, yeah. Yeah, a, a little softer A little softer approach. And, yeah, right, yeah. Right. Yeah, and a sense of the culture. And 
and the process of uh, relational things and what's going on in people's lives and right. maybe what they're struggling with and they can ex- expose that in a anonymous setting like yeah like the internet and it was it was fascinating so my goal um when i when i explained how i do personal ministry to some of my former lds friends after we moved here over time with the explanation being played out through experiences I would share with them and sharing these experiences um, with this couple, Emily and Eric Briggs. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if some of your listeners probably are going to be familiar with them. Yeah, they might. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to be coming up on Jesus is Enough. They're going to have a special oh, okay. yeah, that series yeah, 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 yeah. with Mark Parsons. Um, and Eric Briggs called me a sniper. <laughs> right, with, with Mormons. And... The Mormon Sniper. And I thought on that nickname, and I realized, Ross, that that is actually what I do. I am the Mormon Sniper. Okay, so so you better explain that a little bit. Because, I will. Because so you're out there like like uh, killing people, right? You're no. Right. Well, but no, no. So explain kind of the intent that Eric and why you picked that up on that. Um, and, and kind of what, what that means, what that's about. Yeah. I, yeah. At first I was, I was like sniper. And then I thought for a while and I thought, okay, well, and, and he, he means that what I do is effectively when I am a sniper or in sniper mode, um, and, and before I share this, I do, I do kind of want to make it. I do kind of want to approach it, uh, the sniper ministry approach slash playbook, if you will. And I hope that you mm-hmm. and your audience will understand this. Yeah, is yeah, a, yeah. This is my own working title, uh, outline, patent pending. Okay, all um, right. Uh, and it's all about knowing two things with a sniper approach. Okay, now I'm, I'm curious. So go ahead. Yeah, yep. Know the terrain and the target. Okay, okay. So know the terrain and the target. And being as accurate and patient and precise as possible, because it, it is a process. You gotta wait it out. Mm-hmm, yeah, it is a process. Okay, so terrain, terrain and target, and target. Mm-hmm. So, can you illustrate what you mean by terrain sure. or target? By maybe share share a little bit about how what that might look like. Yeah. So terrain is needing to know the exactness of. Their turf, their land, their terrain. Okay, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Where where are they living it out? Yeah. Where are they living it out? And to understand the factors of why an individual might have problem agitations later on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, because I have moved into their terrain now, I now I have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to know these points of agitation. And it's common knowledge to me. Uh, my personality lends itself to trying to learn the heck out of every single thing. And I understand a lot of your listeners may not have the same personality as I do, but it's very important as part of knowing the terrain to know, again, in the back of your mind, what are agitation points. So I know and I have to keep track with the church's history, 
doctrines, mm-hmm. right. policies, procedures, which, by the way, is ever changing. <laughs> to- totally, I know. You policies know. and procedures every six months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and well, even that, even the changeness of it is right. can be a can be a a point of that that people are struggling with, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And and I will say again, reverting back, polygamy is a great example of a staple conversation that women will come to you about Mm. that agitation Mm. point. So, Mm. yeah. Yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, okay, that's so the terrain. Mm -hmm. uh, Gosh, there's a lot we could talk about there in Mm -hmm. terms of those things. Um, But tell us then the, the target. So... You're trying to understand the terrain. You're you're trying to understand what are the agitation points. What are the things that are happening in the culture, in the theology, in the history that that would cause people maybe to be unsettled or to grapple with their testimony or whatever. Now, then, how what does it mean to understand the target? So there we go. So once I understand the terrain, got my footing, uh, we can be free to have organic and genuine interactions and friendships. That way, I am prepared when they come to me burdened. I will already know what agitation mm-hmm. points they have. So, it, as you're talking about the terrain that people are living in, this sort of social and uh, relational kind of emotional terrain that people are, are, are living in, then tell us more about um, fostering those relationships and, and how that kind of works and how those kind of things play in. It's basically, and it's going to be a real quick summary, is that I have a genuine interest in what an individual believes. And I guess Mm -hmm. that's the sociologist in me that God just put in me. Um, I want to know what people believe. I want to know people on the spectrum, what they believe, spectrum of Mormonism and biblical Christianity. Everyone usually does not believe believe every single thing. Right, right? exactly. Great point. Right, right. So I have a natural interest. And because I have that natural, genuine interest, I am truly a safe place for when their shelf gets heavy or breaks. They They know I'm safe. And... But the main goal, Ross, is that when they leave the church, if they do, I pray that they don't give up on God. Having said that, I want them to know and believe that they are enough only in Christ Jesus and what he did Mm -hmm. for them on the cross, period. Simple as that. Right, right, right. And we'll get into later how... When talking about that, we can we can kind of incorporate the restored gospel versus the gospel. Mm-hmm. But that is an excellent starting point for fostering relationships: is to know they are they are enough in Christ Jesus, what He did on the cross. Right, right. That's it. Because I, I, you can see how I think you can understand how that is gives you a platform in the relationship to be to to convey unconditional acceptance. Right, so what they're used to, it seems to me like, is relationships where there's so much conditionality that, and what they hear often in the culture is, "You're not enough. Right. You're not enough. You have to be a better mom. You have to be a better priesthood holder, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. You're not enough." Right. Young people grow up with that that burden. So for you to be able to say you're enough in Christ, yes. that helps to make you a safe place, safe person, right? It does. They can they can trust that they can. Um, so here's the thing I've noticed in Mormon culture, 
is that when you have a, because it's a perfectionist culture, then when, when you don't measure up or you're going through a struggle, whatever, you, there's no vulnerability. Without grace, there's no vulnerability. I can't go tell someone in my Relief Society or my priesthood quorum that I'm struggling. Right, exactly. I can, I can, I can say, oh, they, you know, they're going to come help me if I, if I need a meal, right? But not if I need, you know, answers to deep personal questions. And so I've always felt like, um, you know, what you're modeling is is so important because because Christians are going like, how do I get through? How do I? And they want to go to um, content and first and argue about things. But until people know that you're the safe place, the safe. Christian who they can trust, who's committed to them, then becomes the, the safe haven they can go to when the shell starts to break or the wheels come off in their life. Right. So it, so I, I'm, I guess I'm just saying, yay, you know. Um, <laughs> well, no, I mean, praise God, you know, I, this yeah. is what's instilled on, in me. Yeah. Yeah. And there is, there is, there is a, a theme with Mormons. Oh, you know, Jesus is enough, but Let's truly break that down. I mean, right. another time. What does that look but like? There yeah. is like an ongoing kind of thing. Um, right. Good point. But the principles that kind of guide my approach is going to move into the target. Okay. okay. So, we so know yeah, the terrain, yeah. and now we're going to move into All right. the target. Helpful. Okay. That's okay. great. Mm-hmm. The, yep. Of the sniper approach. <laughs> <laughs> um, first, I. I make it clear, and I think this is actually very helpful for women, for me to relate to women, because I make it clear that I am not working for a ministry. I'm not affiliated with any particular church or denomination, and that I don't make any money off of talking to people. And when I say that, I do not at all mean to disparage my brothers and sisters in Christ who do have ministries that they put bread on their table. Like, you know, I, mm-hmm. I want to honor that. Um, but for me as a woman, it does help me connect with other women uh, because I just think women are also more perceptive as into, you know, what are her motives, which goes back to the terrain, mm-hmm. but, um, and it establishes trust and integrity. So they know there's no bait and switch, right? So that right, when right, they right. go to their Bishop for something, right. I'm not going, they can honestly, quite honestly come to me right? and I can get them resources where their whole ward doesn't have to know because right. you know, people gossip. I know, I know. And, and you don't have this ulterior motive or agenda. They, they, they understand that, you know, really there's not some kind of bigger thing. You're, so here, so I think that's part of the train that makes sense is that there is such a suspicion of Christendom of evangelical Christianity and, and, and the ministries that are out there. And they have this filtered view of, of, you know, who all these, our friends and people who are doing ministry, mm-hmm. they, have, they have such a filtered view of them thinking, oh, they're in it for the money or they just want to tear down the church or right. all these other things. And because you have, you're not associated with, you know, any of the, you have the ability, you can kind of, kind of create a buffer from those sort of expectations or those presuppositions about I do, people. and I, I stay in my own lane, but again, like that, again, it, I do want to make it clear that I use the resources and openly thank people that, you know, that, yeah. that are here that, yeah. you know, fall into that demographic. But yeah, I just make it, make sure there's, there's no bait and switch. And also after I've established that trust, it's so important 
as part of, you know, the targeting of once you know the terrain, we're going to move to another step of the targeting. And that is Mm -hmm. to remain teachable when you're interacting with people on words and phrases that may have changed and be almost submissive Mm. when you're asking phrasing correctly. That goes a long way and it actually opens the door for them to be more open and share more about what they believe. And if you ask them what they believe, and it usually always leads to the Bible, of course, we know that terminology changes. You know, it went from like home teacher to visiting teacher. And now I think it's like ministry. Or Ministers. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> ministering. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you always, it, it goes so far to say, interrupt yourself in a sentence several times and be very cognizant of the fact of saying, am I saying that right? Because I want to make sure that I'm mm-hmm. saying this right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, yeah. that's great. Because two, a couple things that that because it is changing. Mm-hmm. And so you we can easily like date ourselves or become non-credible to that person right. if I don't like if I'm not trying to pay attention and hear from them. Honestly, you you mentioned earlier how the the how many different belief systems really people right. don't nobody nobody owns the full what we call standard mormonism. Right. Um but I don't know what they believe until they tell me what they believe. Right. And so that's asking questions, asking questions about, you know, their what 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 happens in on Sunday nowadays. I know right. I know I I know what it was when I was growing up LDS, but it's different now. Right. You know, and um, a lot of things are different now. And so I, I love that idea of like all checking ourselves and checking our knowledge against, you know, how it's perceived by them, but also how things have changed and they've experienced that. Right. Anyway, so yeah, it's exactly. a great point. Yeah, so so with the target, so they know my intentions, that I'm remaining humble with the phrasing, so that's going to open up terminology. Um, and another part of the targeting when you're really getting to know someone, and, and most of this I don't recommend, I think God will appoint people at such a time to have organic relationships and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So where this really will flow naturally, I'm going to say something that most people don't necessarily say i never expect anyone will leave the church of mormonism even after years of knowing them and i or another brother and sister in christ after they've had the gospel compared to the restored gospel that's on them after it's laid out i never expect it because quite frankly ross it saves me heartache yeah, yeah. I just don't know. I can yeah. pray. You don't know. We, there's no way. There's no guarantees anyway. Yeah. Right? And it's even true, even when we're sharing the gospel with people who are not LDS or who are secular, whatever, mm-hmm. there's no guarantees. No. I can't. And, and if I think there's a guarantee, then I'm going to play the game a little bit differently. Yeah. I'm going to play it out because I'm going to co- try to come up with this, the silver bullet. I'm going to try to come up with, <laughs> the you know, oh, the secret, <laughs> the secret thing. Yeah. Right. That, that, that doesn't really exist. Right. And so, honestly, that that is huge. Honestly, there's a sense in which, eternally speaking, it I don't care if they leave Mormonism. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, it sounds. Well, I mean, I do because of this negative things. But so you know, I've told this story before, maybe in podcasts or not, but I can't remember. A, a friend of mine in the church I was part of, really an evangelist, he'd go into the um, 
the mini mart every morning to get his coffee mm-hmm. at the Seven Eleven or whatever it was, and he stuck a conversation every day with this guy who was who was there, and um, and all the things he used were the negative anti Mormon, the church, this, the church. And the guy one day walks in and the guy says, oh, hey, hey, brother, hey, I just wanted to let you know I'm leaving the Mormon church. And, you know, he's all excited about that. But he became an atheist. Uh, And so how is he any closer to eternity? How is he any closer to God? Exactly. Because of the way that, that my friend was sharing information with him was all about leave the church. The church is is negative, blah, blah, blah. But but there wasn't enough gospel or Jesus in, and so ultimately, what someone's eternal destiny is not: are they a member of the LDS Church? Right. Right. It's a it's a question of have they trusted in Jesus Christ alone right. to be right with exactly. God? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it saves a lot of heartache. And then the last part of the target is you know once once you've established everything that you know we've mentioned before, um, for me again with women. And I give complete credit to Mark Cares um, Mm -hmm. with Truth and Love Ministries, because this is just a home run. Um, Recognize when you talk with women, their burdens, get them Mm -hmm. to talk to Mm -hmm. you and they can freely um, talk about their burdens. Um, And what I've learned with that, this is an example with the terrain target example, is that because Mormons and especially women, uh, women LDS, um, self-deprecation humor mm. is fantastic because it instantly soothes them and yeah. it puts their yeah. guard down, especially yeah. with women when you talk about, oh gosh, you know, I've got so much laundry or groceries to do and it's only my husband and I don't know how you do it, then they can say, and if you know, you're joking, if you're doing it the right way, it will show that you have humility yeah. and that you're not perfect. Yeah. And they can step out of their shell and say, right. oh, tell me about it. Yep. And then they can go on. And then a lot of times they talk about how much of a burden is to be in the Relief Society. Da-da-da, 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 da And um, I, think that's, I think that's really a key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Especially with yeah. women. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, so I'm curious about this. Um, it's a. It sounds like a great, you know, kind of approach, a model. It makes a lot of sense, but it can't be necessarily easy, right? right? So, so tell us a, you know, about some obstacles that you faced along. How did you learn this? You must have learned a lot of this the hard way, right? Um, sure. <laughs> so I, I want our listeners to understand that, oh, you know, maybe there's more to it than just, I'm just going to go out and, and win the day, you right, know? Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about maybe some of the pitfalls along the way. Yeah, the secret sauce, the the, the glitter is going to just <laughs> magically fall the pixie dust yeah. and have everything work out. Well, I can only speak for myself and, and, and what I experienced. And I do have other examples, but... I am ghosted a lot. So social media, Mm. and I keep everything pretty much on the download, but I'm not private about who I interact with. Mm. Um, I'm just not. And so when people get on my social media, they can see that I'm friends with Sandra Tanner, that I associate with John DeLynn, and that I do things that are very... uh, I go to temple open houses, and people can't figure me out. Yeah. So... They ghost me. And, you know, that is what it is. I just move on. But 
Um, and then with that, I would say passive aggressive behavior um, with current and former LDS. Okay. This happens with both, yeah, yeah, especially yeah. with current. So after, and then that's, you know, again, yeah. like the first one being ghosted, that doesn't necessarily happen to everyone, but it, it, it does if you have a Facebook. Um, and... Yeah, I'd say I'd say passive aggressivity, especially with LDS, and that's bred into them in the church. I don't fault them for that, yeah. but you need to learn how to know how to spot it and not respond to it. Right. So, give us our listeners who'd maybe to understand what that terminology is about. Is there is there an illustration that you could throw out there at all? Like a like a, maybe a for instance that that uh, what would that look like? I mean, oh goodness! Um, I would say it would look like being invited to a baby shower. Let's say, hypothetically speaking, Ross, <laughs> a baby shower and being iced out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. Uh, letting people know, or letting you know that there's something going on—a social event. And you're not invited, but we're going to talk about it anyway in right. front of you. That's yeah, yeah, nothing yeah. to do with a church. It's right. just a social event. It's a, uh, yeah, yeah. But it, so. yeah, everything has something to do hurts. with the church. It but, does. Yeah. It hurts. But. Yeah. And I just saw, this is a, a tangent, but we, sure. I don't want to go down it, but I'll just mention <laughs> that there's a professor at Weber State University who's done a lot of research on, social, on uh, passive aggressive behavior in the LDS culture. And so, you know, wow. it's kind of documented, yeah. um, no, you know, is. so, yeah. Yeah. It's so it's worth, it's it. worth in those, if we're entering those relationships, it's worth, you know, kind of being prepared for, for some of that, right? It is. It, well, it's, I, I think that we should try to have tougher skin, but it, yeah. it's just a learning yeah. thing. And then, and then the, the last of the obstacles are stereotypes from, from the LDS community to those who are ex-Mormons that live here mm-hmm. regarding why they left. Can you, right. can you guess, yeah. Ross, the number one thing why... I'm just going to... We're just going to play a guessing game. What is the number one reason, if you get it wrong, that's okay? Well, I can think of a couple. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what is the number one reason that you hear from current or devout members of why people have left? Well, number one, I the one I most often hear is um, they were offended by somebody in leadership in the church. Right. The second one I hear a lot of is they just they just couldn't live up to the standards of the ding, church. Ding, ding, they ding, wanted ding. to go sin or whatever, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> sin. Yes. And oh my gosh, that just drives me crazy. Um, I was talking to a woman the other day and she again, she she trusted me and that and this is great and I'm not revealing her identity. But uh, LDS, and she let me know that she was getting all of her children vaccine for the HPV virus because they might marry converts. And we don't know where the converts have been. So her pure children are the ones that she's protecting. Like, if that's not a great example of the outside of what yeah. Mormons believe about the sin. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. Just, I was just gobsmacked. Yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah. And then, then there's also... Uh, the stereotype from Mormons about those that have never been LDS that come to Utah. And I literally had someone the other day say, do they think that we are the devil and they're rescuing us? Like it was a genuine heartfelt question. It yeah. wasn't attacking. Yeah. I mean, I answered that in the best, most politically way that I could and say, well, no, you know, we, they, we don't think that you're the devil. Right. You know? Right. So, yeah. 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 So. yeah that's, that's fascinating. So, you know, I'm 
I'm curious. So you've had with all this, you, some research, background research, some relational uh, uh, equity in different people's lives. So, so, and we talked about how Mormonism is changing, um, etc. So, tell, give us a nutshell about what you've really learned about Mormonism through this whole process about about the culture, about relationship. Just kind of like like what would it be to say this is what I've learned about Mormonism and the Mormon people. Since moving here, so we learned a whole lot. I learned a whole lot. We both did about the culture, what people believe. But this is going to go back to knowing the terrain, okay? I did not understand this before I moved here. Family and only family for gatherings. It is a very tough wall to break through no matter how close that you think you are. Yeah with an individual you are still likely a threat or you're just not family <laughs> you're just not family <laughs> they don't right. know who yeah. you are right. they may know who you are and you're like oh you know that that kind of thing but it's it is truly very clannish mm-hmm. i could say i mean that respectfully but there are parts of you know i'm from the south and there are parts of the south that are very clannish but but a family 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 yeah so yeah yeah well that's a human thing right I mean, we all have our groups. And in my experience, I think LDS, I think this is changing, but I think LDS people are very, very um, ignorant or not clued in at all. I don't mean ignorant in a negative way, but they're very, they're not clued in at all to the lives of other people of other faiths around them. It's just it's such a, a cocoon that they live in, in a way. They don't get it. They don't get anybody else outside of themselves. I completely agree, and we live in Utah County, which is time, <laughs> which is like times ten of the cocoon. But yeah, that's that's fair to say. Um, I also do think it's fair to say that we've gone to parties for like if kids have had you know baptisms because we've attended baptisms. Yeah. Um, and once you are introduced to people and they find out you're not LDS and they want to know for the most part, why are you not LDS? Well, tell me about yourself. And it's like, and that's why you don't really get invited. I mean, I can play along. Believe me, sure. I can get oh, along. Totally. Yeah. I, I truly, we love the yeah. LDS. Yeah. 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 But it is a thing. It is a thing. So, it's a very it real does, thing. It does hurt. It, it does hurt. The clannish aspect, yeah. it does hurt. Because so, you're out, you're left out. You're isolated. Yeah. So, Sometimes I'm not even sure they're aware of that at all, or the effect of that. If they're just living with the people that they know and they trust and whatever, that maybe they're not. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. So I think that goes back to passive aggressivity. It, but that's yeah, part of it yeah. too, for sure. Yeah. So, so in given that, you know, that challenge, why in the world did did you guys move to Utah in the first place? You come, you know, maybe a a comfortable Bible Belt environment in Tennessee, a different culture. Why would we do that? Why would you do that? Are we crazy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, my husband and I would visit Utah at at least two times a year since 2014. We were, we just, when the wheels touched down on the plane, we just felt like home. And we knew that we eventually did want to retire out here because we knew that Utah, especially Utah County, but there was a need for unconditional love and friendship everywhere. Mm -hmm. the, the, The church is hemorrhaging. And we wanted to be there for people that 
that need to talk. And then suddenly, in very early 2019, out of nowhere, my husband lost his job along with 20 other people. Uh, it happens, right? Yeah, it happens. Yeah. And within about an hour, we decided we is this God saying, let's take the chance. And yeah, then, yeah. And then it was it happened very fast. Two weeks later, he had an interview in Lehigh. He was immediately hired. And we did pick the demographic. We live in Saratoga Springs. We did pick the demographic of age and yeah. everything else to where yeah. we remove. So yeah. that's why we did it. That God makes told sense. us too. <laughs> that makes sense. God made the way for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Very cool, very cool. So, you know, I I wonder, you know, you've been practicing this sniper method I blame Merrick Briggs by that, but I do. I think it's quite phenomenal. So. Yeah, because I mean, when you break it. you I'm break it down, it. it really makes sense. So, tell us about some things you've seen God doing in people's lives. Well, I think that it is really important for me to call out and um, give credit to Sandra Tanner on this, uh, for the reason that if you ever get the opportunity to be in the same room with her. Or, you know, interact online, but especially in the same room with people that are on the Mormon spectrum. She is a master at how she responds um, to the terrain yeah, and totally. targeting. Totally. I mean, she's, she is, mm-hmm. she's a master. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's the master. And she's incredible about listening and being compassionate but she does know when to stand her ground on yeah, something yeah. but it's she's she's the master so yeah so you know examples um again being accurate patient and precise for the the, the terrain to target kind of thing yeah um this happened many years ago and i have to tell this story first if i don't tell anything at all this is the coolest story and I do have permission to share this. Okay. Uh, in 2014, my husband and I decided to take a weekend trip to Nauvoo. Uh, we prayed before we entered the town that God would show us why we're coming. That's not something that we particularly do. Uh, again, on a whim, we've never been. We were staying at a hotel directly across from the Nauvoo Temple. And the hotel and a, and a store were connected. They were owned by the same people and to get your room key you had to go into a store that sells all kinds of mormon stuff and it's you know very appealing and that kind of thing i was waiting in line it was towards the end of closing and there was a woman behind the counter beautiful blonde lady and i heard her say uh to people that were checking out my son is on a mission and i heard the holy spirit say you need to ask her about her son on the mission and i thought how am i going to do that lord there's people all around me mm-hmm. And when I got the key, I never asked. I thought, Lord, it wasn't appointed. So we go and we get our room. I immediately look down. The store is closed. And I see this woman walking to her car. And I, I run down and I thought, this is it, Lord. This is what you want. This is what you want me to do. This is the time. And I stopped her really fast. And I said, I just want to let you know. We love the hotel room. Uh, love it. Hey, do you, I don't want to, I know you're in a hurry, but I heard you say that your son was on a mission. Do you mind me asking where he's serving and how's he doing with that? And she said, oh yeah, he's so-and-so. He just talked to, talked to me on Mother's Day. 
And I said, how are you doing with that? And she said, you know, I'm fine with it as long as he talks about Jesus and not the church. And I thought, okay. Whoa, okay. Right? Yeah. And huh. she said, well, why are you in Nauvoo? Do you know, is it family history? You know, is it, you know, just a trip, a leisure trip? And I said, well, and this is when I really came out of the closet for what I do. Like, it, this was the time. And I said, well... I help people and listen to people that are going through a transition of faith that are 99% they're Mormons. And she said, you're kidding me. And she closes the door. There was no one else on the street. My husband witnessed all of it. She closes the door, crosses the other side of her car. And she said, my husband and I have just left the church. Hmm. They owned that store, that Hmm. building, and a good bit of Nauvoo. Wow. And it was, it was it was quite amazing. And, and come to find out, I was the first person that she ever said that to. And she asked me, she asked that she said she had been reading a, a book by a woman that was a former BYU professor. And I said, Oh, I'm failing grace. Oh yes. That book is incredible. You should see it. I've got note things everywhere. And, uh, and then, you know, we, we kept in touch and, um, she's a Christian. She's a, mm. she's a biblical Christian now. Wow. And, and, oh, the best part, they founded LDS Living. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny. That's, that's the, pretty they good. They founded LDS Living. Uh, and so after we, after we left and stopped talking to her and, you know, we said our goodbyes, all I could say walking down the street to my husband was, wow, wow, wow. Yeah. And Mike said, up. That's your answer prayer. And I said, yeah, yeah. in front of the temple, that's yeah. confirmation. Yeah. For sure. Awesome. Awesome. Wow. That's great. That's encouraging that, you know, you had no idea what God was going to do. You just <laughs> no. like, oh, you're there you are. You're, you're trying to be obedient. And yeah, I don't think it was just so crystal clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, just to wrap everything up, we've had a great conversation, but what would you say to somebody who wants to do something to connect with LDS people in their world, um, in their neighborhood, in their community. Um, what would be maybe some takeaways, some some wisdom that you've learned along the way that you say, "Hey, here, here's how to here's how to think about that." Right. I would just uh, no matter where you're at, even you know if you're if you're in Tennessee like we were, study the heck out of the culture. That goes mm. back to, to the terrain. No matter where you live, again, even if you live in Tennessee, you're still living in Tennessee, um, because 99, if not 100% of forming a relationship mm. is knowing the language yeah. and how to speak it. Yeah. And I'm not talking yeah. about Mormonese exactly. I'm yeah. talking about the language of listening to people's burdens and just just a, just a lot of stuff yeah, to yeah. understand that. And, mm-hmm. and because that you will have and know that terrain about their culture, um, it's it will always lead back to, for the most part, doctrine. And yeah. that's where the conversation yeah. begins. And for transplants, I have found it amazing to let them know that we're on their land. Yeah. And I have said that to so many people and they have their jaws have dropped and said, thank you. And I said, mm. yeah, we're in your land. We're honored to be in your Zion. We don't take that for granted. Yeah. Good point. So it's a great point. Those and those things get at some practical, but attitudinal and, and those, that's really appreciated. Um, yeah, and res- you know, you and know. respect their love of their faith. 
their devotion love of their faith is oftentimes even surface level to be quite honest with you it's just as strong as ours you just never know yeah, so you, that's you, why you I say respect, respect yeah. them yeah. yeah so to respect means to listen to not like stereotype someone before you've heard um, to try to understand you know their world their terminology all the rest so mm-hmm. that that's really really helpful Allison I think would you like to come back and we can have another conversation for a future podcast where we could talk more about some of the, I know that there's some things that you've done that um, with missionaries that we haven't even touched on today. That's, that that's my passion. That there's some, <laughs> I'm sure some of the same principles apply, but yeah. but it would be interesting to hear about that to people who want to engage maybe missionaries. So, yeah, no, I'd love to. I any anytime you ask me to do anything, I will say. Yes, Ross, I am your servant. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm teasing. Yeah, I'm yeah. teasing. So okay. No, no, I'd no. no. That'd be great. So, so listeners, we were just thank you, everyone, for listening to the Culture Wise podcast today, um, where God's good news meets the Latter Day Saints with wisdom and grace. Tune in again uh, in the future. We'll hear more from Allison Biggers.